All right, here to continue our Connect Four series is Heather Kamira. Let's welcome Heather. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Welcome. If you're new today, we just want to send you a, a nice welcome and just say I hope you feel at home here. We're currently in a series right now, so if you missed out on last week's, which was the introduction to the series called Connect Four, I encourage you to check it out online. Michael started us off with uh, our first Connect, and each of these Connects uh, tie to our mission statement here at VCDC, and that is to connect with God, connect with our purpose, connect with our church, and connect with the community or the world. And so we're going through each one each week, and I love what Michael shared last week when he said our church, this church is committed to that. We are committed to help you grow in those four connects because we really believe that when you practice these four connects, you are going to become more and more like Jesus, more and more like Jesus. So today, we're talking about connecting to your purpose, connecting to your purpose, and what it means to connect to something, what it means to connect is it means to be brought together. It means brought together in contact so that a real link is established. A real link is established, and it's powerful. I mean, if you think about being connected to your purpose, I mean, that enables you to see why you're you and why you're meant to be here in this, in this time, in this place, and, and I think it really helps to give us perspective, perspective amidst the trials, amidst what we face in life, gives us faith. And I really think it reminds us that we are, our lives are worth living and not just for ourselves alone, that we are meant to live in the context of something much bigger than ourselves. Now that longing, that longing to be connected to our purpose, I think it's pervasive. You see it you see it everywhere. You see it in culture, you see it in the church, you see it in your families, in your own life. I think we all have that longing, and I think that's why, honestly, in January, this is what happens. We do these resolutions, right? Because here we are, we're looking over the precipice, the horizon of a new year, a blank slate, and what it does, it stirs up in us that desire, that desire to connect to our purpose, to try to refocus, to try, to, try to, to readjust our life a little bit back into the way that we thought we should be living or the way, the way toward the things that we really want. What I love in Ephesians 1, 18 through 19, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his un incomparably great power for us who believe. I love that verse because this really is our prayer for you. This is our prayer for you and, and yet the reality is that we have an enemy, don't we? Satan, who would love for nothing else but keep you disconnected from your purpose. He wants that. Ever since the fall, we have come into this world, we come into this world disconnected from God, therefore disconnected from our purpose. And yet, God's hand, the Creator's hand has left this imprint in our lives, this imprint in our lives, and it aches with the question, what am I here for? What am I here for, am I an accident? Or am I really here for a purpose? 
you know what, I think, I truly think that the enemy is actually scared that you are going to figure out whose you are and who you are. I think he's scared because he is doing everything he can to keep you in the dark. He wants to keep you unaware. And what he can't destroy in you, he will try to distract you from. He'll distract you with lies that are not true about who you are. He'll distract you with busyness, right? He'll get you coasting in your walk with God, thinking, oh, you know, I I love God, I believe in God, but, but never really connecting with God. And what happens is over time, we forget. We forget why we're here. We forget our purpose. We can have those seasons where we do feel like that. We feel like we're filled with questions and uncertainty, self-doubt and insecurity. Anyone felt that way? You know, our purpose, our purpose is a unique marker, a unique marker. And it really does fuel our trajectory in the kingdom of God. It enables us to fight the unbelief with faith, faith in the presence of suffering, in the presence of an enemy who wants to make our lives ineffective. But with Jesus, with Jesus, we find our purpose and we have the power because of what he's done for us, we have the power to wreck the darkness and that scares the enemy. Luke 4, 18 through 19 is this beautiful passage where Jesus himself states his purpose, his purpose for why he's here, why he was on the earth for that time. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What I love is that Jesus, when we see him in scripture, we see he doesn't just tell us about the kingdom of God, he shows us the kingdom of God. He shows us that it can come here on earth as it is in heaven. And what's amazing to me is that God has chosen us to be his vessels for which he pours out more and more of his kingdom into this world, where he eradicates the darkness and through us. So let's go ahead and pray and just invite the Holy Spirit to come more. Holy Spirit, we give you this time and we we just say, kingdom come. Lord, let your kingdom come. God, I pray you would just eradicate the darkness, not just in this world, but even in our own lives. God, would you remove the, the lies, the whispers of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus and I pray you would just bring the truth right to the top. Bring it right to the surface, Lord. Help us to see who you say we are. Who do you say we are, God? Lord, I just pray you would soften our hearts to hear from you today, and I ask your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, any of you you ever heard of Michael Phelps? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Michael Phelps, a competitive swimmer and the most decorated Olympian of all time. Uh, He is pretty much a model of success, in the eyes of many, many people. But what you might not know about Michael Phelps, in uh, 2014, Michael Phelps went through a really hard and dark time. He said he was so 
despondent that he thought about ending his own life. This is right before Rio, right before his last Olympics. He said, I was a train wreck. I was like a time, time bomb just waiting to go off. I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. There were times I didn't want to be here. It wasn't good. I felt really, really lost. It was during a time when, during this time where a photo emerged uh, showing him smoking some various drugs, and he was also arrested for a second DUI. And that's when he says his life hit rock bottom. The days that followed saw Phelps staying mostly in his bedroom in his Baltimore home, thinking about ending his life. How many times, he said, will I mess this thing up? Maybe the world will be better without me. Phelps said he isolated himself, he didn't eat for weeks, hardly slept, and kept nursing the idea of ending his life. But then his longtime Christian friend, NFL star Ray Lewis, came to his rescue. Lewis called up his buddy, hearing that he wasn't doing well, and he said, dude, this is when we fight. This is when we fight. This is when real character shows up. Don't shut down. If you shut down, we all lose. And Lewis convinced Phelps to seek help at the Meadows, which is a behavioral rehab facility outside of Phoenix. And Phelps heeded his advice and entered, rehab, re entered the rehab facility carrying a book that Lewis had given him. The book was The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And after reading the book for a couple days at the Meadows, Phelps called Lewis, I love this, man, this book is crazy, he exclaimed. The things that are going on, oh my gosh, my brain, I can't even freaking thank you enough, man. You have saved my life. And the other residents at the Meadows even started calling him Pastor Mike because he couldn't stop sharing about what he was reading. Phelps said, that book, turned me into believing that there is a power greater than myself and there is a purpose for me on this planet. A purpose for me on this planet. You know, we see it time and time again, don't we? We see it time and time again that you can have all the success in life, all the success, and still not have purpose. And that brings us to our first point. Our purpose is a gift from God. Our purpose is a gift from God. We have to start there. Because our purpose doesn't start with us. It doesn't start with us. We don't choose it, we don't earn it, and we don't deserve it. It is a gift of God's grace before we were even born. Before we're even born. When he creates you, he calls you. He calls you. Every single one of you are marked with a purpose. Every one of you is marked with a purpose. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, he has saved us and he has called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And Galatians 1.15, but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me, he called me by his grace. 
And Rick Warren from The Purpose Driven Life says this, God was thinking of you long before you ever thought of him. His purpose for your life predates your conception. He planned it before you existed without your input. You may choose your career, your spouse, your hobbies, and many other parts of your life, but you don't get to choose your purpose. We are created and we're called by God, and it is a gift given, a gift given. And I think it's really important that we first see that our purpose does not start with us, though it does require a response from us. Will we receive it? Will we believe? Now, most people in this world, most people on the search for purpose will ask themselves questions like, well, what do I wanna be, right? Well, what do I wanna do with my future or with my life? Or what are my goals, ambitions, resolutions, my dreams for the future? But focusing on ourselves, focusing on ourselves, no matter how hard we try, and no matter how hard we work or how many medals we win, it will never reveal our life's purpose. You didn't create yourself, so how in the world are you gonna tell yourself what you're created for? You know, if it's like, uh, I just went there the other day, it's like if I handed you a random Ikea box with 50 million freaking pieces in it. You would have no idea what it's for, you would have no idea how to build it, you don't know what its purpose is. The only way you know its purpose is by looking at Ikea and asking Ikea, what is this random box for? And you look at the owner's manual and it tells you how to build it and what it's for and how to use it. Only the creator or the owner's manual can reveal that random Ikea box's purpose. Same goes for us. God says, I know you because I made you. And I have a good plan and a purpose for you. I have stuff you haven't even ever seen before. Things you don't even know yet. And you know what that means for us? This is a huge encouragement. It means that no matter what you've done, your sins or mistakes, don't change God's call on your life. Amen. It doesn't matter how messed up your life has been, what someone's done to you, what you have done yourself, you cannot eradicate the purpose and the call that is on your life. And you know who's a perfect example of this? Paul is a great example of this. Before Paul met Christ, let's just be honest, he's a pretty messed up dude. <laughs> pretty messed up dude. Uh, and it even says in 1 Timothy 1, he says about himself, I thank Jesus Christ my Lord, who has given me strength, that he has considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord has poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Even though you might have done a lot of dumb stuff growing up, <laughs> good job, you just didn't like in Paul's shoes, you've got an apostle's training. <laughs> In Romans 11:29, God's gifts and his call are irrevocable, irrevocable. You know, the expression of your purpose or your call, that the timing of it all might change, how it looks might change, but the calling that is on your life, your purpose will not change. 
will not change. It means that you didn't miss it. If you have that lie that's been circling, oh, you've missed it, just give it up, just give it up, you've missed it. You know, when you did that, when you took that turn, when you chose that thing, when you did that thing, the enemy loves to try to tell us that we've missed it, but we have not. I love Romans 8:28. What a comfort to know that as we, as, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He works all things for our good. And the first step is to receive that gift, the gift of God's call and purpose on our life, that he's created, that he's chosen us. It's a gift that has to be first received. And that brings us to our second point. Our purpose is then found in a relationship with Jesus. And 1 Corinthians 1.9, it says God is faithful. He is so faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's called you first into fellowship with Jesus. The most best basic question we can really ask people in this world is what are you looking for? What are you longing for? What we see with Jesus, every time he would encounter something, he would ask the most simple of questions, simple questions like, well, what do you want? What do you want? What does that do when it's, what it stirs up in us when we're asked that question, what do you want? And the answer, whether you know this or not, is the only thing that will satisfy the deepest desire inside of you is a relationship with your Savior, with Jesus. And I love, I love this quote from St. Augustine from the fourth century. He said, Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our first and our primary call is our relationship with Christ, and that needs to take priority over everything else. What we see with Jesus when he would call the disciples, what would he say? He would say, come, follow me. Come follow me. Because Jesus not only does this with the disciples, but he does this with us. He calls us first into relationship with him before he asks us to do anything. Before he calls us to do anything, he first calls us to himself. Because he knows that if we don't start there, if we don't start there, we're gonna start looking for it outside of ourself. The fulfillment of that desire outside of ourself. Oswald Chambers says, beware of anything that competes with loyalty to Jesus Christ. Get this, the greatest competitor of our devotion to Jesus is what? Our service to him and for him. The aim of the call of God is first the satisfaction of God. Not a call to do something for him, but to be absolutely his. I love that is the anchor of our souls knowing that we are beloved by God. Beloved by God. Because that is where the first real transformation starts to happen, is within us. He actually starts to reform and reshape us, looking more and more like him. What he wants is to work his purposes in us before he works his purposes through us. That's what he wants work his purposes in us before he works his purposes through us. But let's just be honest. Let's be honest. 
We always kind of want to jump to the through part before we work on the in part, don't we? We like the through part. We want to make a difference. We want to see fruit in our lives, right? We have the in part, yeah. Not so sure about that part, but, but we all start like that. We all start like a seed, like a seed. And where does that seed start? It starts in the ground, in the dark ground. Sometimes we're, we don't know if anything's happening under the ground. That's what it feels like when we're in the ground, this in part with Jesus, this relationship part with Jesus. It's, it's the inner work, the inner transformation going on behind and under the ground. Sometimes it, we become impatient, don't we? Because <laughs> we want to bear some fruit in our lives and in our relationships. We're wanting God to use us in some significant way. But here we are, stuck in the ground. I think a lot of times what we love talking about is the harvest. We don't like talking about the sowing. Because planting is a lot of, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. You know, every, every fall, my family has a tradition. We go to Lynn's Fruit Farm. Anyone ever been? Lynn's Fruit Farm, I love that place. And we buy a bag. It's getting more expensive every year, but we buy a bag and we fill that thing to the brim full of apples. And usually that, that day, even, we'll go home, we'll make an apple pie. I mean, that's my idea of a <laughs> you know, harvest, right? But I don't know if there's, there's a good business model or business opportunity in Lynn's Farm asking people to plant the apple seeds. You don't see a sign in the spring pointing to an open field full of just brush and random stuff and someone says, okay, that'll be $25, here's a hoe and some seeds. That's not a good business model because we don't like that part. We like the part of getting the fruit. The planting part, we'd rather just avoid. <laughs> we want the fruit now, but that, as we know, is not how spiritual growth happens. That's not how spiritual growth happens. Our question to God needs to be, God, what do you wanna do in me so that you can accomplish your purposes through me? And for some of you, you know God, and you even know some of the purposes for why you're here, but you are in a season of being underground. You're in a season of preparation, of doing the work of cultivating the soil, which is really our hearts, our, our desires, our motives. Because what we know is that God is far more concerned with who we are and that we know him more than doing something for him, right? You know, when I was 14, I would say I had my first Holy Spirit encounter. I was a pretty shy kid, uh, didn't like to make a lot of waves, and uh, one Wednesday chapel service at my high school, we um, had a speaker, missionary, and he was uh, just telling his story, and at the end he had a call, and he said, for those of you that feel called to full-time ministry, I want you to stand up right now, and this little shy girl stood straight to her feet. <laughs> and I thought, uh, what? you know, your, your common sense starts kicking in, and you're like, what did I just do? <laughs> you know, and you start to sweat, and you realize you're probably the only one standing in the room, and I couldn't, couldn't understand why I was standing. I, I knew it was the Lord, like my stomach was in my throat, and I'm like, what is going on with me? And I remember, and this is, this is not the wisdom of a 14-year-old, this is the Lord. Uh, <laughs> after, after going up forward, and, and he blessed us, and he prayed for us, I remember the Lord saying, Heather, hold that loosely. 
hold that loosely. You are called, but what it looks like and when that happens is up to me. It's up to me. And now a 14-year-old's not gonna necessarily come up with that. I know it was the Lord. It was just really good wisdom. And then I remember years later, probably 10 years later, I was uh, driving along. I was at uh, Vineyard Columbus at the time. I had a little small group that was meeting in my house in my basement once a week, and, and I was just loving life, doing life with people. I mean, that's, that's really where we start to make a difference, right? It's just in the lives of people. It's not on a stage, it's, not, it's, it's in the lives of people. And I was just growing to love this, this one-on-one discipleship that I was getting to do and, and serve just alongside of, of fellow believers and, and walking toward Jesus. And, and I just remember just being really grateful for that season and I was driving along and the Lord said, Heather, what if this is it? What if this is what I called you to? What if this is all I called you to? What if this little small group meeting in your basement is your mission? And that's it, that's all, maybe that's all I have. Would this be enough? (laughs) He was testing my heart. Did I have blind ambition beyond what he had for me? And I remember thinking, okay, this is it. This is gonna be my mission. And I wonder how, how it would change our perspectives if we really started trusting that God knows what he's doing with our lives. How much more would we be content with what's in front of us? Just being consistent and showing up and and being faithful with what he has us to do right now and trusting that in his timing, in his timing, he'll take us to that next place. Creating what God is doing in in the soil most times and what he was doing in my life, I even believe back then, was that he was creating this deep root system in the Lord. And what I know about the Lord is he's not gonna prematurely let you bloom before your time because he wants to know that you're gonna, you're gonna last for the long haul, right? And that you're gonna produce as much and as most, most, the most fruit as possible in your life. And so he knows, he knows when that is. And most of the time what he's doing in the, in the darkness is he's growing us down into him. And so that when we do, when we do finally break through the soil, we don't just wither away or get blown away by life. So don't grow weary. I just wanna encourage you, keep cultivating that soil. There is a a difference between feeling buried and actually being planted, (laughs) and you're planted. In Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. First Peter 5, 6 through 7, I love this verse. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties, all your fears about when and how and questions about the future, cast it all on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. And that leads us to our last point. Our purpose is part of a bigger story. It's part of a bigger story. When we receive God into our lives and and we say yes to him and we start to cultivate that relationship with him, one of intimacy and dependence, our lives become part of something much bigger than ourselves. Much bigger than ourselves. 
In Colossians 1.16, in the message paraphrase, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. God loves to intersect our lives, our stories, and invite us into his story. I mean, that's constantly what he's doing in scripture. You see him calling people into, calling people into a bigger story than just themselves. His story of restoration. In Ephesians 4.4, 4, there's, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. And I think this is an important part of the bigger story that God has us in, is that we're created to do life in this one body, in this, in this context of community. And I know we'll talk about that here in, in a few weeks more, but why, why do we meet together every week? It's to encourage each other, to keep going, it's to challenge each other, it's to walk alongside of each other, it's to serve one another in the mission of God's kingdom. You know, you cannot fill, fulfill your purpose, your call by yourself. You can't do it. It's impossible, it's not how God has made this world to work. Hey, just think about it. If you took your, it's a weird analogy, but if you took your eyeball out, you set it on a table, guess what? That eyeball can't see anything anymore. It can't. You took your ear off. I mean, the ear is amazing. I got two of them. You can hear everything with them. But if you took your ear out, stuck it on a table, guess what? That ear cannot hear a thing. The purpose for why it was created is gone because it's not connected to the body. That's how we are designed. We are designed to be connected to the body, to not go off by ourselves and do our little thing, but to stay connected, to say, God, how am I going to, to be a part of what you're doing in your kingdom with your bride, your church? You know, in God's kingdom, which I love, and we say this a lot in the vineyard, everybody gets to play, right? Everybody gets to play. And that's great because that means that no one's on the outside. No one has to sit on the bench, you know, and let the other players that are better than them play. It means we all get to play. But, but the other part of that means is that we're better as a team. We are better as a team. And, and the enemy can't pick us off when we're together. You know, he, it, we're doing this together. That's how he's created the world. And, and I really believe that God has commissioned us and that means co-missioned us. He wants to do it with us. And together, we can, we can start to see what God has revealed and what God is doing in his kingdom and become more and more of a part of that. I think what God is looking for most of the time is availability and a willingness. Availability and willingness. And, and honestly, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you can do that. You can have a willing heart. You can be available to God. And, and I'll just say service and serving one another, serving other people, volunteering and, and giving back, it's, it's some of the ways that God has used most of my life to show me my purpose. It's by serving. Serving other people, I start to find, wow, I really enjoy this, or this really brings me life, or I get a lot of like, joy when I'm around people and, and serving them. And, and God starts to reveal to you how he's wired you in the context of service, in the context of community. I think God loves to reveal to us how we are uniquely tied to his overarching story. You have a part to play 
And, and though he doesn't need us to accomplish his purposes, boy, does he delight in using us to accomplish his purposes. I mean, he actually gets, God gets joy out of using us, us. He delights in it, and he delights in giving us the kingdom. It's not something he holds back. He loves to give us the kingdom. I wanna share another story about another Olympian, Eric Little. Anybody seen The Chariots of Fire? Yeah, the movie? Dun, 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 dun. Okay, you cannot get that theme out of your head when you see it. It's a great movie, check it out if you haven't. And it tells, I and mean, the main character is Eric Little. He's a, a real guy. He was, he was a Christian, deeply devoted to God, but he was also a really gifted athlete and runner. And he knew that he was meant to be a missionary. He was already on track to go to China to be a missionary, but he delayed his travels to China over the objections of his family because he sensed that he would have been denying what the Lord had made him to be by failing to run in the Olympic Games that year. And this is what he says, I love this quote. God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. <laughs> and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Mm. Because of his commitment to Christ, he would not run on a Sunday. Well, in the Olympics, they don't really care whether or not you wanna run on a Sunday. And so what he did was he switched events with someone else and instead of running the race that he had prepared to run, because you prepare a long time, right? He, had, he actually ran two other events and he won the gold in the 400 meter run, which he was not prepared to run, and he actually set a new record. Little understood he understood what it was that God had made him to be, and he lived it. What has God made you to be? What's that thing that when you do it, you feel God's pleasure? You feel God's pleasure. You know, I love that God has not left us in the dark to wonder and to guess what our purpose might be it is in just simply pursuing a simple and pure devotion to Christ and pouring over the owner's manual, which is the Bible, and, and serving one another in the context of community that we start to discover why God has made us. I'm gonna end with this quote from Tom Patterson. He says, literally everything God makes is unique. He didn't clone anything. Even identical twins have individual uniqueness. And that should tell us that our individuality is a secret trust. And what we do with it is our gift to God. Our best contribution in life, our utmost for his highest, can only be made as we allow God to finish his work in progress, us, and perfect our uniqueness. To live without discovering our uniqueness is not to really live at all. I think God is heartbroken when his children miss out on the potential he has placed inside of each one of them. Hmm. In Proverbs three, just a good reminder, five through six, it says trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on what you know about yourself. <laughs> just don't depend on your own understanding. Seek 
his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. What a beautiful promise. He will show you which path to take. You know, we truly believe that when you seek the Lord, he is going to show you your purpose. And it may not look the way that you thought it would, it may not happen in the timing you thought it would, but trust him, trust him, he's gonna walk you through and he's gonna show you which path to take, which path to take in his kingdom. How about we go ahead and stand? You know, in closing, what we do in our services is we have a time of response. And last night when I was uh, worshiping, the Lord gave me a picture and he said, Heather, the sermon is really all it is, is just you're like the flower girl, you're putting petals down. You're preparing the way for me and for my bride to meet. And that's what this time is. That's what this time is. It's a time for you to, to talk to God, to say, God, how would you want me to respond? If this is true, if this is true, then how do you want me to respond? And so we're just gonna wait on the Lord for a couple minutes and uh, just let him prepare our hearts, speak to us, See what he has to say. Holy Spirit, come. Soften our hearts to hear from you right now. More Holy Spirit. More of you, God. I wanna just, just call forward some people today, uh, specifically what God was highlighting in my time of, of preparation was that um, he wanted those that were, just felt disconnected to come forward. And, and he gave me a picture of someone in the dark and he just labeled the dark. He said, some of the darkness for some people is, uh, the darkness is fear. And if you're honest, you'd rather stay in your cell, even though the door is open, because you don't know what God might be asking of you and what he might want for you to do. And, and, and he just said, you know, remind them that I am a good God. I am a good God. And I have good things. And if there's any fear or anxiety about what's ahead, I, I just encourage you to come forward today. God wants to just eradicate that. He wants to eradicate that darkness and bring truth about who he is to the forefront. And, and then the other one was the darkness of just discouragement. I mean, for those of you that do feel like you are in a season of being underground and you're not seeing the kind of fruit that you really wish you could see, I, I felt like God wanted to say to you, you know what he's doing right now is he's approving you in secret so that you don't seek it later. That you know that you're already approved of. You already have his pleasure, his delight. You don't need to go looking for it elsewhere. And, and, and for some of us, when we are in seasons of darkness, where we're in seasons where we are being planted, we're not buried, but we're planted, you know, that is the best place to praise God. It's the best place to praise God. And to raise our hands and say, hallelujah, God, you are good. I don't feel it right now, but you are good. And I'm gonna proclaim the truth in this season, even though it feels like darkness because I know you are. I trust that you are good. And so I encourage you, if, that's, if you're struggling with just discouragement today, we wanna to encourage you and we wanna pray for you. And then the other one was just the darkness of unbelief. There might be a few of you here that, they, that you say, honestly, I was just an accident. I wasn't supposed to be here. And if you believe that lie, we want to just speak truth over you today. 
you were not an accident and that God has created you for a specific purpose, a specific purpose. You are unique. So would you come forward? And we're just gonna have a time where we, we pray for one another. We're just gonna have a brother, sister come and put their hand on your shoulder, just bless you. So if that's you, we're gonna just sing one last worship song. JT is gonna lead us in one last song. And if you feel like, you know what, today I need to respond to the Lord. And I need to say, God, I, I just, I need to be reminded of why you made me. I, I just encourage you to come forward and get prayer today. Guys with guys, girls with girls. And uh, we'll, we'll sing this last worship song and then I'll close us in a word of prayer. Just come on forward. Mm-hmm.